the cross. Uh, the cross is the most important symbol of Christianity. Graves are marked with a cross. Christians wear them as jewellery around their necks. Churches mount them on steeples. Coptic Christians in Egypt will bravely tattoo crosses on their wrists. The cross marks a moment in time, the most important moment in the history of the world. Everything that came before looked towards it. Everything since has been indelibly changed. But how did a Roman instrument of torture and execution become so loved? So iconic. Because this one simple image reveals to us God's character. This one simple image symbolises costly obedience and sacrificial love, undeserved grace, piercing justice, surprising victory, jubilant hope. That's why we love the cross. We're going to spend a few moments thinking about the cross and why Christians love it. Uh, First reason. One reason we love the cross uh, is because it shows us God's planning. Uh, The cross wasn't an accident. It wasn't the end result of a series of unexpected events outside God's control. Uh, The cross happened exactly the way God intended it. Uh, Peter, Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, said this to the Jewish leaders about Jesus' death uh, a couple of months after it. He said, This man was handed over to you, the Jewish leaders, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Normally those who suffer execution don't want it to happen, but not in this case. It was God's plan for Jesus to be put to death. God the Father worked situations, engineered history in such a way that he put his own son on the cross and caused him to die. Now that doesn't mean the other people involved were innocent without excuse. God wasn't moving them around like robots, controlling them like puppets. Peter says it, they, the Jewish leaders, with the help of wicked men, that's the Romans, put Jesus to death. Human beings are still guilty and yet in some way that we struggle to understand, as those humans chose to do what they did from cruel and wicked motives, they were doing exactly what God intended to happen. And by means of those wicked men, great good has come into the world. Why do we love the cross? The cross happened according to God's plan. The second reason we love the cross is because the cross shows another side of God's character. It shows Jesus' obedience. That's why we love the cross. Jesus went to the cross willingly. Think about it. At any time during those last 12 hours he could have walked away, overpowered his attackers, ran away or walked through their midst like he'd done before and yet he didn't because this was his hour. He'd calmed storms. A few dozen soldiers wouldn't have been any match at all for him if he'd wanted to. 
There's a beautiful line in the song, The Servant King. I, we don't really sing that song anymore, but it's a great one. Here, this, the line says this, Hands that flung stars into space to cruel nails surrendered. That's what it meant for Jesus to be obedient to the cross. The same hands that had flung stars into space willingly chose to surrender to cruel nails. I heard this story about sacrifice from a hospital volunteer a while ago. She got to know a three-year-old girl suffering a rare and serious disease. Her only chance of recovery appeared to be a blood transfusion from her five-year-old brother. He had miraculously survived the same disease and developed antibodies uh, that could fight it. The doctor explained the situation to her little brother and asked if he'd be willing to give his blood to his sister. The hospital volunteer said she saw the boy hesitate only a moment before he took a deep breath and said, yes, I'll do it, I'll save her, I'll do it if it will save her. Well, the transfusion progressed. He lay on the bed next to her, uh, to his sister, and smiled as as he saw the colour returning to her cheeks. Then his face grew pale and his smile faded and he looked at the doctor and he asked in a trembling voice, will I start to die straight away? You see, he misunderstood the doctor. He thought he was going to have to give his sister all of his blood (laughs) in order to save her. He thought the doctor had asked if he would give up his life for his younger sister. And yet, he did it with barely a moment to think about it. Now, with that same choice before him, Jesus also chose death. He chose it out of love and obedience to his heavenly Father. He chose it out of love for the world he was saving. We saw that moment, didn't we, last week? Do you remember? Chapter 22, verse 42. Jesus, just like the boy, had that moment of doubt On the night of his arrest he prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. He'd thought about it, he'd he'd longed for some other way, a, a way without the pain, but he knew there wasn't. And so he went to the cross willingly. He obeyed his Father. That's why we love the cross. The cross is obedience. The third reason we love the cross is that the cross is about justice. God's just punishment for sin is death. That's what we deserve. All of us are guilty when it comes to God's law. We all choose our own path rather than God's way. It might be a moral path, it might be an immoral path, but we all choose our own path. At the root of it, that's what sin is. Choosing to be on the throne of your life, the centre of your world, rather than letting God occupy that place. And this image shows us that sin is no small matter. We tend to think that sin's not that bad. It's a little slip up, you know, a, a little slip. But that image proves how terrible sin is, how insulting it is to God. 
against his justice. We've offended the creator of the universe. Failing to love God is not trivial, it's treason. And that's what we all deserve. We all deserve death. And yet there's one person who didn't deserve death. Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. The only perfect human being. And yet the amazing, unbelievable news of Easter is that God gave him the punishment that sinners deserve. He placed our guilt onto an innocent man and then punishes that innocent man in our place. He can't overlook sin. He can't pretend it doesn't happen. That wouldn't be just. Justice demands punishment. But Jesus chose to punish his son in our place. He received the criminal's death we deserved. And so sin was paid for, justice was done and our slate was wiped clean. Now, I thought Hugo might be here this morning. Hugo's not here, so well, I'm going to use him anyway. Imagine, imagine Hugo was in trouble at school. It's probably pretty hard to imagine. Uh, Hugo's in trouble at school. He's on his last warning. His pile of infringements is getting bigger and bigger. And the principal calls Dion into the school and says, I'm afraid, Mr Christopheratus, we have no alternative but to suspend your son. Look how full his file is. And then I want you to imagine that Dion says to the, uh, to the principal, well, what about me? How big is my file? And then the principal says, well, I'll just go to the filing cabinet and have a look. Well, uh, there's your folder. Look at that, it's empty. How about that? And then Dion says, well, can you take all of Hugo's records, all of these misdemeanours, these mistakes, all of these rule infractions, all of these latenesses, all of this cheating, and can you put it into my folder and then suspend me instead? And so the principal does it. Hugo goes back to class because his record is empty, his slate is clean, while Dion gets suspended because his file is full. Justice is done. The innocent person bears the sin and bears the punishment. The guilty person has their sin removed and is acquitted. That's a little bit like what happens on the cross. That's why we love the cross. In the case of Jesus, God makes his own offer of the swap. He transfers our files into Jesus' folder and then punishes Jesus for our sin. The death of his own son took the wrath we deserved. And with punishment paid and justice satisfied, our record is wiped clean. Our file is deleted. But perhaps you might ask, why on earth would God do that for me? Why would Jesus agree to it? Well, that's the fourth reason we love the cross, because the cross is love. God loves us. The cross is justice, but it's also love. If God were merely just, 
there wouldn't be any need for the cross. We'd all just die. We'd all receive the punishment we deserved and God would move on. But he's also loving. He loves the creatures he's created. And so he did something else. Another of Jesus' disciples had this, had this to say about what motivated Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It was because God loved you that he arranged this swap, this transfer of guilt from you to Jesus. It was because, because God loved you that he wanted to spare you your just punishment and was prepared for his son to endure it instead. The cross is the means for God to show his love while maintaining his justice. I can't imagine the sort of motivation that would cause me to sacrifice my own son. can't imagine it. And yet God did it. He did it out of love. So when you look at the cross, recognise love. Love for you. That's why we love the cross. Let's come to the fifth reason or the fifth point to make about the cross. What's it all got to do with you? Well, the final thing to say about the cross is it demands a response. You have to make a choice. Uh, The events of that first Easter are God's loving gift, a gift offered to you and whether you like it or not, a response is required. You actually make a response even by saying no, that's a response. And David read for us, the the account of the two thieves, one on either side of Jesus, who were crucified with him. And they show the two responses we have. Uh, It's there in verse 39. Uh, One thief hurls insults at Jesus, ridicules Jesus. That's a response to the cross. He rejects Jesus. It's ludicrous, isn't it? He's hours away from his own death. And he's still not desperate enough to reach out to Jesus. Some of us have had the opportunity to sit by the deathbed of someone as they're fading away. And you would think that someone who knew that they're only hours away from death would be desperate and would reach out to God and be willing to submit themselves to Jesus. But... It's amazing that people don't. Why, why would you not? I can't understand it. But this, this criminal won't do it. The other criminal on the other side, he, he points out how ridiculous that attitude is. Do you see it in verse 40? Don't you fear God? You're under the same sentence as Jesus. You're, you're making fun of him because he's about to die, but take a look at yourself, buddy. You're this close to death and all you can do is make fun of Jesus. And yet that's the way lots of people treat Jesus today. They know they're dying, they may not be on their deathbed, but sooner or later we all die. We're helpless in the face of death and yet many people are too stubborn or or too blind to reach out to Jesus. Well, that's one criminal. Look at the other criminal, verse 41. Here's the other option. We are punished justly, he says, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. 
but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's only three sentences, but there's some great theology packed into those three sentences. He sees himself clearly and he sees Jesus clearly. Firstly, he recognises his own guilt before God. We are punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. And then he recognises that Jesus is innocent. It's been a miscarriage of justice. But not only that, he recognises more about Jesus, that he's a king, that death won't be the end for him. It's an amazing statement, isn't it? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. As far as we know, he'd never met Jesus before. And I can imagine if if you look at Jesus hanging on the cross, you're not going to see a king there. You're going to see someone to be pitied, someone weak and bleeding and helpless. What was it about him that would make the, the criminal think king? He believes that Jesus won't be beaten by death. He believes that he's a king who will come in his kingdom sometime soon. And the thief wants to be there when he does. And Jesus' reply gave hope and peace to the criminal. It gives hope and peace to countless millions since. Verse 43, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Both Jesus and the criminal would die, but then immediately their souls would be with God in heaven. Beyond the reach of pain or death or suffering, extraordinary promise. We need to learn the lesson from the thief and then we too can receive the same comfort from Jesus. The lesson we need to learn is is to have clear double vision. Now, clear double vision may sound to you like a contradiction, but here's what I mean. We need to see ourselves clearly and we need to see Jesus clearly. That's the way to rejoice in the cross. We need to see ourselves clearly and we need to see Jesus clearly. If we see ourselves clearly but don't see Jesus, we'll see someone who's sinful and helpless and headed toward destruction and we might be cynical, we might be depressed, we might just give in to sin and, and live a, a rotten life. There's no solution, there's no end, death's just the end. There's no joy in that, seeing yourself clearly. Or, or else we might see Jesus clearly, but not our own sin. That's the proud moralist. There's lots of those around today as well. The person who sees Jesus clearly but not themselves says, well Jesus died, that's nice. Nice for people who need a crutch. Not me though, I don't need a saviour. I'm fine, thank you very much. Well there's no joy in the cross with that either, is there? The way to see joy in the cross is to see with clear double vision. When you see that your sin is far worse than you realised, that you're in danger of an eternity far more frightening than you knew, but that Jesus has won a forgiveness far wider than you dreamed. That's when you can rejoice. 
when you can shake your head at the wonder of grace, the amazing news that you, an undeserving sinner, has been freely offered life and forgiveness by the innocent King of the Universe. You can't buy it, you can't earn it, you don't deserve it. That's where joy comes from. That's the way to respond to the cross, to Jesus' death for you. Recognise your sin, recognise who Jesus is and ask for his help. Then live with him as your king, as you wait for his kingdom. Well, that's why we love the cross. We love the cross because it shows God's planning. It shows Jesus' willing obedience. It shows Jesus It shows God's justice against our sin. It shows his love for us despite our sin. Love it. Exult in it. Rejoice in it. Praise God for the cross. Let's pray. Now, Heavenly Father, we confess that for many of us, life's, life is pretty easy and matters of eternity perhaps don't seem so important when we're healthy and death seems a far way, a far into the distance. Where our lives are pretty good, judgment doesn't seem that immediate. Uh, Lord, we pray that you might stamp this image of the cross of Jesus on our imaginations that it would fuel our recognition of ourselves, our recognition of Jesus and what he's done for us, that we might rejoice in it and live for Jesus. Amen.